0: Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100.
1: Let's go into the night with Rick Ballews on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Well, they're
2: out there, there's no doubt. And they're just sitting and they're waiting and they're hoping for something to... Transpire in Sin City. It was Joe Buck. He said it in uh, it was Newsday uh, today that he's glad he's not in Las Vegas. He's glad he's not doing this year's Super Bowl because someone's gonna get pinched. Someone's gonna get clipped. There's gonna be a big story, right? Didn't we have the one last year where it was Michael Irvin who you know initially he was sent home by. The NFL network. I want to say he turned around and like sued the Marriott hotel chain for like a hundred million dollars. But Buck's gone out on a limb here and said that that something is going to happen. And and certainly that is the case. You know, we live by that slogan. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I'll actually be in Las Vegas in a week and a half. I'm going right after the Super Bowl. I'm going to take my first uh Vacation week since late July. And I'm going to see you two out in the sphere. And it should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. But you can get in trouble in Las Vegas. You can get in trouble right here uh, in Duval. I, I was really interested by that. And, you know, I've been at Super Bowls before where it has been nasty. Um, I remember the Warren Sapp situation with a prostitute out in Phoenix. Um, Gosh, who was the guy? It was one of the first. It was actually the second Super Bowl I ever covered. It was in Miami. And it was the Packers and Broncos. uh, John Elway, his first of two consecutive Super Bowls, and he would wrap up a career. And, you know, a guy went trolling. He took, uh, took, I I think, the South Beach stroll. It might have been Key Biscayne. And he got hit on a sting by a uh, by an officer in Miami, and he was a player for the Green Bay Packers. He was actually a defensive back for the Green Bay Packers, and I want to say that he had just received the NFL's Man of the Year Award. I think it was something Robinson or something, and we can look that up. Um, Eugene uh, Robinson. Eugene Robinson. Thank you. Played in Atlanta in his career. Played in Green Bay in his career. So, you know, there have been situations like that. I mean, Ray Lewis was allegedly involved in a murder, you know, in Atlanta. So, yes, big parties, tons of celebrities, enormous amounts of drugs. And I think fentanyl nowadays has put an extra, you know, kind of um, cap on things. It used to be, all right, you're going to get all messed up. You're not going to remember stuff, but fentanyl's killing people. You know, it really is. I mean, you got to be nuts if you're, you know, doing lines off of a uh, a toilet seat in a casino somewhere in Las Vegas, and, and you don't know who's got that product. I mean, people are dropping. They're dying left and right. You used to be able to pass around a doobie, and everyone would have a good time. Well, fentanyl's being involved in everything, so, you know, make sure you protect yourself, and that applies as to what's going on on right here in town. But the Super Bowl has always been that for getting in trouble. And, you know, so many of the other unwritten stories, right? Max McGee uh, being hung over, um, guys going out and partying the night before the Super Bowl, guys showing up late for meetings. Uh, one of the greatest Super Bowl stories we still don't have an answer to, surprisingly enough to this day, whatever really did happen to Malcolm Butler, when they lost that Super Bowl. The guy had a really good year. He was active. I mean, he wasn't on the 53. He was on the 45. They activated him 90 minutes before kick, and that is when you have to announce your, your roster and, and the guys who are actually scratched. What happened within the 90 minutes that you, you used a roster spot? for Malcolm Butler, but you just left him there on the sideline. It is, is egotistical as Bill Belichick is, as stubborn as he is, do you really think he would have wasted a roster spot to teach a lesson? It's It's one of those questions that, as of right now, we don't have an answer to. Maybe Bill Belichick, now that he's out of coaching, maybe he'll write a book. Maybe he'll do it all on his own, and he'll get into some of these stories, or maybe just out of respect for Malcolm Butler and his family, this will be something that we'll never, ever officially get an answer to. I'm not surprised. But when I look at Joe Buck, I'm almost like, and I like Joe Buck. I'm not down on him. But it, it, it sounds to me a little bit like, come on, Joe. It's not you and Troy, right? If it was you and Troy, you'd be in Las Vegas and you would be doing and you'd be saying all the right things. Absolutely. There's, there's such an um, opportunity get in trouble there, but there's an opportunity to get in any one of these Super Bowl cities, trouble in, in any one of them, so I was a little bit surprised by that, and to me, it sounded a little bit like sour grapes, a little bit of a situation where, well, if Joe Buck was actually calling this year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58... You never would have heard a peep out of him. Instead, he he made that big time prediction. I remember said it was uh, Robbins. I said NFL Network, or, or I said NFL uh, New York Newsday. I think he said it on a radio station in St. Louis. I do remember that Barrett one Robbins.
3: was definitely not in Vegas. I don't remember where it was, but he he played for the Raiders. Poor guy. He literally disappeared, and they like had no idea where he was for I don't know. I think a couple of weeks. Um, he, was, he suffered from a lot of weird stuff.
2: Poor guy, like, man. I, I mean, you, you, on the surface, you would think he ruled the world. You know, all that money, all of that fame, and right on the cusp, like within a 48- to 24-hour period. Yeah, two days before. He just completely fell apart. And there's a name I haven't heard in a decade. And I guess if you haven't heard anything that's, on, on Barrett Robbins, probably a good thing.
3: Mm, well, I'm gonna look it through his Wikipedia. It's not been a great after football life. Okay. Which I guess we're not shocked by. Okay. Lots of arrests, lots of drugs, lots of Florida.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Those th- three things usually go right. together. Well, that was in my, you know,
2: that was a big time but mental he, health type show. He story. was like
3: an all pro. Dude. Oh, yeah. He
2: was very good on that
3: offensive line. Yeah.
2: And what year did that happen?
3: 2002, it was uh, the, uh, the Raiders versus Bucks. Didn't I, they get their ass kicked? Yeah, 48-21.
2: Think about where we've come in 22 years when it comes to mental health. Because I, I remember I was in Chicago at the time, and if that was Brad Johnson's Super Bowl run, I, uh, I had Brad on literally every week and through the Super Bowl. He took time out to come on with me. Brad is one of the few guys that I actually met at Florida State and, and knew before I had anything to do with the media when I was just a, an undergrad. But even then, in the early 2000s, mental health by a lot of people was still massively considered a weakness. There wasn't enough studies on it. There wasn't enough what observation on it. Now it's like you hear mental health. It's like everyone stops and it's like, hey, this is a serious deal. You know, we continue to grow uh, in those areas, no doubt about it. But with the Barrett-Robbins situation, I remember some of the outlandish comments that were made, like, you know, how could this guy screw up in, in the biggest moment of his career? What's really going on with this guy?
3: And and the fact is, is that, you know, we simply uh, did not know. They, his wife said he got went into a manic episode after he didn't take his medication. He spent most of the day before the Super Bowl Parting across the border in Tijuana, Mexico. Wow. He thought the Raiders already won the game, and he was, quote, celebrating their victory. Unbelievable. Really? I'd totally forgotten
2: that. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to guess here that, that that medication for mental health affects everyone differently. I, I just don't know if you can prescribe a drug in the way that you're the way that your DNA is, the way that your body is, is put together, your mind is wired that this particular prescription drug is going to have this effect on you and it's going to have the exact same effect on the person next to you. I, I don't know that. I mean, maybe it does, but I'm under the belief that, that it works differently depending on the dosage and, you know, just the way things are for you. Uh, mental health problems are, are just terrible. They really are, and you know I think we've all been affected by that to uh, to some extent. You know we've all got our issues as I say, I, I very rarely can get sad. I wish I could. I mean, my mom, her birthday was a week ago, and I wasn't sad. it was their first birthday without her. you know she passed in March, and that's coming up here in in about a month in a, a month and a couple of weeks, and it's like I. I, I can't get sad because she was suffering. So I don't want to say I'm happy. That's the wrong word. But I'm not, I'm not sad. It's really hard for me to get sad. I, I'm a really happy guy who gets angry. I get angry. I get angry with sports-related issues. Okay? I, I don't get sad. but uh, And I've talked to people about this. It's a form of anxiety. And there's so many. I mean, there's what? Depression. Uh, which would be sadness, right? Depression, sadness. Uh, I'm more of the uh, the anger, you know, that type of it. But I guess it's still considered some sort of um, a mental health issue. So, you know, I between every break, you guys think I run out to my beautiful key GMC Sierra to to smoke a doobie. No, I'm out there taking a happy pill uh, to get through the program like we're going to do here tonight. No, I don't make a light of it. I don't. And this is actually a positive in our world. Okay, People my age, when I was growing up in the 80s, it wasn't discussed. If you were having a bad day and you were dragging your ass on the football practice field, you were weak. You were a you-know-what. And the words we used back then, you can't use now. You'll be canceled. You'll just be... And I'm talking about the words that the coaches used back then. Uh, You know, back to the days where water on the practice field, you're a sissy, you need water. I mean, think about how naive and how stupid our founding fathers were in so many of these areas when it came to hydration. And then on top of that, mental health. The, The Jaguars have really been affected by mental health. Um. I like Dave Caldwell. I like him an awful lot personally. How did he not know about the massive mental health issues that C.J. Henderson had when Gainesville is a driver in three wood from here? How did he not know it if I knew it? How did he not know it if most of this building knew it? Right? And, you know, the Calvin Ridley situation, depending on who you talk to, he's coming back or he's going to go. Calvin Ridley had a minor meltdown on basically a softball question about whether or not he was running the right routes. He can't handle that here? Where in the hell do you think he's going to go? Imagine him in Philadelphia. Imagine him in Dallas. Imagine him in New York City. He couldn't handle it here in Jacksonville? You remember the day later, Press Taylor had to come out and basically throw Trevor under the bus. Every single one of those miscommunications, every single one of those interceptions was on the quarterback. It was not on the wide receiver. The guys had issues. Okay? You want to pay him $16 million a year? I'm just asking. He buckled under that pressure. And I'm not not criticizing my colleagues here. I'm not, but it's not as hard in this town as it is in some other towns, and it's a good thing. You want to be around that filth. You want to be around all those contrarians. You want to be around all these people that that want the team to lose. That's awful. I don't want this team to lose. I want this team to win. Do I want this team to win necessarily because of them? No, I want this team to win because of you. I want this team to win because of Jaguar fans. I want you to be happy. I mean, this roster is going to turn over again like it does every year. What, 30%, 30, 35 40%? That's today's professional athletics. Hell, that's today's collegiate athletics. For me, it's never about them. I never sit around here saying, oh, my God, how, how great is this going to be for Brandon Sheriff if they win a Super Bowl? No, it's not about Brandon Sheriff. It's about my, my buddy John over at John's Auto, who I've known for 25 years, who's been a sponsor, For the last 15 years, it's about him and his family, the John Warren family. I want to see them get happy. Not Cam Robinson. Hey, I mean, you understand how I think compared to how others think. Others are all about the players. Oh, I want to see Trevor win it. Oh, I want to see – if they win it, fine. If not, take their millions, go do whatever. I want the good people of Jacksonville to experience winning. That's so why I've always said it this way, people. I do radio from the eyes and ears of what I believe sports fans want, okay? It's not the players and the coaches. That's what I talk about. But I've never delivered it that way. That's whether it comes across that. Again, I've also learned that it doesn't matter what I say. It's what you hear, All right? That's another lesson tonight. We're going to have a lot of lessons tonight. Bob Marley's birthday. No woman, no cry. My goodness. No woman, no cry. How truth is that? To all you ladies out there who broke my heart, just look at me now. I'm on it. 8.20 in the 77th biggest market in the United States of America. Are you trying to tell me the truth teller didn't make it? (laughs) All right. We got a lot to do tonight. It's always a pleasure after the ladies of helmets and heels. We are typically with you six to eight. That'll be the case tomorrow. That'll be the case Thursday and Friday. And uh, we got a ton the rest of the week. We're going to start going live to Las Vegas tomorrow for some live interviews, including our good friend, the Philly Godfather, who I've been following him on Twitter. My goodness, he's all over the place. He's legitimately a star there. And so we'll be heading out there for three straight nights. Uh, We'll have three straight handicappers with the Philly Godfather, Rafael Esparza, as well as the Philly Rooster.
3: Godfather's kind of been unhinged on Twitter lately. I'm loving it. He's been like hardcore anti Chiefs guy. He's been hardcore but I'm not sure who he's got for the Super Bowl, but we'll see.
2: Yeah, he's been hardcore on that. He's uh he's gotten into some some politics as of late. You know I saw got into politics today pretty big, which um didn't entirely surprise me was Tim Brando. Whoa! Timmy Brando was Tim up B. on the soapbox today. I got to check. This uh, out. Going off lefts and rights and lefts and
3: rights uh, politically. Unfortunately, as the ten ten x account uh, Excel account blocked? <laughs> Tim Brando. He's bl- had that happen for Tim years, Ra- so I'll have to look on my own personal account.
2: Tim, <laughs> Tim Brando's come on every single week with me for the last eighteen years. Never
3: misses a week.
2: Okay, every <laughs> single week he's live. But for some reason, he's blocked the 1010XL 10, 10 Twitter account. I mean, I just can't. I, mean, I, I need to ask him. <laughs> I mean, 10, Where did that start? Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the greatest uh, uh, of all time. You like openly promote that you're coming on and, and we promote that we're having you on. Dude, whole like retweet yeah. stuff. He must have. like at 1010. He must have hit a thumb on something. You know what? <laughs> I don't think I've blocked anyone ever.
3: Oh, I don't think I, I have. I say the same.
2: You know if I have, and you can prove that i'd I'd love for you to send it to me. If so, it must have been a very, very long time ago i just I just don't do it if If you want to uh take out time to say anything that you want to me for the most part i'm I'm just gonna sit back and I'm. Um, I'm going to take it.
3: Sometimes I get like really pissed in the moment and block them. And then like a day later, they'll text into a show and be like, Hey, unblock me. Yeah. And I will. And that goes to kind of what what I want to talk about here on the other side
2: about owning it. I mentioned it with the ladies here about 20 minutes ago, but um, uh, I I just think being wrong, being vulnerable, being honest is uh, accepted more by people because you're not perfect. You're not, even close to being perfect. And on the case of Dr. Herbie here, he continues to make his own, but he continues to dive back in. As I said, when's the last time I've mentioned the snub getting screwed? I, I basically voiced my, and and I didn't even say it the day after it happened because we had a holiday and then the Jaguars had a game. I can't remember, but I waited like an extra 48 hours and finally got into it. And ever since then, I don't even know if I've mentioned it. So, again, people out in social media will say, oh, boy, you haven't gotten yet. Well, you know what? Um, If you feel that way, fine. Okay? But I I don't talk about it on this show. I very rarely do. The only time I respond to it is on Twitter. It's because it's coming from Dr. Herbie. And and he's the one who created this. This was a self-inflicted wound. And obviously it's been a very hard fall for him. The best way uh, to witness that it wouldn't be a hard fall would be for him not to talk about it. Like, I haven't seen, and I don't follow any of these guys, but I haven't seen Joe Tessator talk about it. I haven't seen Reese Davis talk about it. I haven't seen Paul Feinbaum talk about it, and I'm sure they get baited by, by followers and fans all the time. They pretty much have let it go. Herbie doesn't, and it, it feels like Herbie is – is praying for and begging for forgiveness. He's not going to get it, at least not yet. And I don't know why he does fish for it. I went uh, on the note, Roger Goodell, we just talked about everything in Vegas and the entire situation with gambling. That, that was one of the more intriguing deals that he spoke about yesterday when he had his NFL state of the, uh, of the address about the integrity of, of the game, and even this week, all 32 teams, and I guess all, um, you know, players, even if you're getting set to be a free agent, regardless, every player was was warned, in a memo, uh, reinforcing the gambling policies in the National Football League that also absolutely applied to anyone whatsoever who works for a team, regardless of what your position is with the team. And I think I told you like a week or maybe two weeks ago I found that interesting. I, I, I still do a little bit on the pregame, some hits uh, that that I typically do pre record. But a couple of years ago, I talked about a scenario where like the Jaguars had five games remaining and they were going to be, you know, underdogs in like four of those five games. And it got sent back to me and it was like, listen, you cannot mention gambling. And I was like, okay, but you got to be kidding me! I mean, we go to a break. We're talking about gambling. We're talking about erectile dysfunction. We're talking about growing hair. We're talking about gambling, gambling, gambling. In game live betting at the stadium, betting pre-game betting, in-game betting, post-game betting. Yet I'm not allowed to say the Jags are going to be an underdog in four of their final game, four of their last final. Five games, so Goodell actually did a pretty decent job. Um, you know, getting into this yesterday, uh, I thought outside of that, it was basically as expected. You know, the premier topics are officiating. Obviously, the future of the kickoff is one that has been talked about an awful lot. I that that's that's the one that bothers me the most. If I could have any say right now in the NFL, and I understand it's led to more injuries, but Taking away the kickoff is a big blow, in my mind, to football in general. Think of, I know I'm running late here, but think of the way the football game changes. Think of the way that you are when you enter a stadium and the players run out of the tunnel, especially in college. There's more of an atmosphere in college than there is in pro. Pro is more wine and cheese. But that's just the way it is. But the buildup. They run out. They take the field. Everyone's standing up. You have a kickoff. It's a touchback. It's like, it's like the – it is. It's like the ultimate biggest – I mean, think about what it's going to be like this Sunday where all those flashbulbs go up. Remember back in the days when they were flashbulbs? Everything's going – it's like, here it is. Toe meets weather. It's like you can't miss it. And it's a meaningless touchback. Think about things 30 minutes later. Think about the start of the third quarter, which is a more important quarter and a more important half. Half the people are in the restroom. Half the people are in the beer line. Half the people are flirting and doing whatever, changing diapers. Half the people don't even know if you're getting the ball. Or if you're going on defense, just it's a, it's a big part of this that has always made me wonder. There's so much emphasis on that kickoff in that first couple of plays from the line of scrimmage. Yet when it's far more important, when you get into the kickoff in the third quarter, people just don't seem to care. I've always found that really. Really But if I could change one thing, it would be the kickoff, Uh, bring it back to the the way we used to have it. All right, opening comments tonight brought to you by Shmunez, Uh, Shmunez Vision. Um, Dr. Neil Shmunez has been around for 37 years uh, in this practice. His daughter, Dr. Catherine Shmunez, very successful as well, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, our refractive surgery, so much more than just a simple eye examination. Talking about personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Okay, check them out online. Go to ShmunezVision.com. That is ShmunezVision.com. And remember, uh, high quality medical and surgical. That is also what they do. And that includes yours truly. Had eye surgery eight and a half years ago with Dr. Neil Shmunez. So just went in for a normal uh, examination and that was discovered. It was removed immediately. Give them a look. The website is outstanding and it explains everything for you. Go to Schmunez Vision online. Let's get ready for a Tuesday night. J.J. Lasalva is here. My name is Rick Ballew. I am here. Looking forward to it. We roll till 10.
1: Into the night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, since Joe Buck said it's going to happen, let me give you a little tip,
2: free tip. If, Pun not
3: intended. What's that? Pun not intended. <laughs> hey,
2: no matter, Um, if you're one of those that no matter where you go, I don't know, the hardware store, you know, the convenience store, maybe you run through a fast food drive through no matter where it is where you go, then you meet the buddies out for a, a couple of cocktails. If If women don't normally make a run at you, And then all of a sudden, you're in Vegas, and this hottie is making a run at you. It's probably a prostitute, okay? And that whole thing about you have to identify if you're a cop or not isn't true. It isn't true. I got news for you people, or Johns. I got news for you. They're always going to believe the cop. Over the John. Okay? So don't get yourself in that situation. Lie and tell him you're happily married. <laughs> all right. We got a lot to do tonight. 836. How are you doing, JJ? You all right? You've had a long day. Three shows, for crying out loud. I'm great.
3: I'm, I'm, we had a cook-off today. I thought I won the chili. It turns out I didn't. There was some controversy. Some people didn't like that I added macaroni noodles to the chili, but they claimed my chili was still the best. So I'm happy. I Is have any the best left, chilly In no, unfortunately right. not. I can afford to miss a meal,
2: but it's, <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's today was a big Super Bowl cook-off. Yeah, it
3: was a fun day
2: here. So at So you got first place for the Christmas party, Doubled eggs. You got first place again today. Uh,
3: someone else did, who? but Sam, who's the voiceover guy for the morning updates, we don't really see him. I, he I know works exactly here, but who he said, sort of doesn't work here. Sam's one of my bosses here.
1: Probably. Okay. I probably mean, I've only been boss.
2: here for 18 years, but I mean, I'm. I mean, you talk about the, the totem pole. I know exactly who Sam is. I met him at our Christmas party.
3: Okay. So uh, he he's a nice his guy. His chili was delicious, but I don't think it was as good as mine. It turns out Steve didn't like that I had noodles in mine with the chili, you know, like a chili mac. Okay. And so he he liked my chili better, but he didn't give me the vote. How Therefore, spicy? I lost. And not that spicy at all. Uh, I would say Casey's who you also know, had the hottest Casey chili. Dobson. Yes. Right, hot chili for Casey. Yes, he was a spicy chili guy. Joe or Leon brought delicious wings, like double fried, amazing wings. Matt, Yeah, brought, but he picked
2: them up from Wingstop, <laughs> right? I thought he would. But no, he actually
3: did this himself. I was impressed. Oh, did he really? Yeah, Joe brought... All right. Grilled wings or grilled chicken legs. Joe it was, doesn't eat.
2: It, Joe's like vegan these days. He, he doesn't eat any meat. Little,
3: like, uh, he eats his little like. He eats his. It was the first time I've seen him gorge himself in a long time. I'll say that. He eats purple oatmeal yeah, every day. Yeah, it's terrible.
2: And he, sometimes he like it's just this is his home. He'll just leave it in the fridge.
3: There's that picture in the hallway of Joe and you almost forget like Joe was sort of a chubby guy at one yeah. point. I used to drink he a lot of. super slim. I
2: used to drink a lot of Pierce with Joe.
3: Well, he still does that. But, I don't know uh, what
2: happened. I, I, he, just, he, told me that, he told me that he can envision what food tastes like
3: yes, he told by me that just
2: well. looking at it and that that's good enough. For, kind of like the same rule you should have for you Johns going to Las Vegas. When you see all these ladies Think walking hard. by, they're gonna just look at it and envision what it would be like and then go home to your – Unhappy marriage and, and your wife. It's the same thing that would – this is what Joe – Joe's like – he's serious. He was like Phil oh, Jackson. It
3: was like zen. Imagine the millions of people who we lose to heart disease and obesity He looks in me, this country. If they would just listen to Joe. I know. he's. It, it was the craziest thing
2: ever. I'm like, is he out back smoking weed or has <laughs> he been hanging with that Phil Jackson like or it. what? Because he just literally looked at me. We were like at an AC – we were something – they like had a pig roast and all this all this great food in Charlotte uh, to kick off the ACC football season, and you know me, I'm just gonna keep loading
3: up and eating. Same, if it's free, I'm there
2: it, as well. It, not even if it's free, whatever. It's, <laughs> if it's all you can eat, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna keep eating. And Joe's like, "No, man, I can just. I mean, right now I can now. just look at it, just thinking about, it. and I can envision it, and then I'm, uh, that's good enough for me. And I'm like, Bro, you are absolutely
3: crazy. Yeah, that's like. That's that someone needs help, honestly. Or he's the most genius person on earth. I can't tell. I'm most impressed, though, by Dylan Denmark, hacker and Jaguar's Today producer, who is like a single guy in his 20s, who uh, I just assume doesn't cook anything, takes most of his meals from takeout. But, dude, he made a dessert. What? He made. A uh, banana pudding, and it was phenomenal. Like really? everyone was talking about Denmark's banana pudding. Like Campo got three helpings of Denmark's banana pudding. Campo did? Yeah. Now I sit next
2: to Campo. I load up on that chocolate ice cream, like three huge, um, sixteen um, ounce cups, <laughs> wise. And Campo will get like the little tiny, like three or four ounces. Well, he
3: might be bashful in front of you guys, but my dog loves to eat. He is. He's a eater. eater. Never once have we had food in studio where he's passed on it. No. He's always grabbed. He'll, he'll act like bashful at first and then be like, okay. Yeah, Campo loves his food.
2: Joe Tune may not play. Kansas City's hurt. Kansas City's lost Eric Naughty. William Gay is on the shelf. They don't know. Joe Tooney is a long shot, according to Andy Reid today uh, at left guard. They're they're, a, they're so tested, and I'm still surprised that San Francisco is the favorite here. I mean, to me, it's pretty simple, and I know there's a million different ways that you can look at the Super Bowl, but for me, it's simple. Who are you going to pick? Pat Mahomes or Brock Purdy? Shouldn't your argument be solved by just saying that? Kansas City plays an AFC championship game every year. Kansas City is going back to a Super Bowl against the great San Francisco defense with dynamic offensive players, phenomenal offensive players. Okay, you look around and you look at what Purdy has with McCaffrey and Kittle and Ayuk and Samuel I right, more talent. I'm not going to argue with you there. But you still have to get the ball to those playmakers. Better playmakers in San Francisco than Kansas City. But who are you going to take in the coaching battle? Who are you going to take in the quarterback battle? I do think that these injuries is prolonging that a little bit. I I think we're getting a little bit more in on uh, San Francisco, and, and that is one of the major reasons. You know, you do have some of those distractions that we talked about, and if you missed it last night, Mahomes was asked quite a few times about his daddy. Right? Um, Mahomes handled it like a pro. He said it's a family matter, going to keep it in house. Reed's getting asked now about Kadarius Toney, who's without any question the biggest turd at the Super Bowl. There's no question about that. Guy's got phenomenal, phenomenal ability. I put him out today as the number one turd. Former Gator Seatrick Faison responded. Uh, to me and said uh, he helped him win a Super Bowl a year ago. Damn right. Damn right he did. That's why you got to do whatever it takes to try to get this guy ready. But going live and ripping on Kansas City, then turning around and saying it wasn't Kansas City, he was ripping on Giant fans. I mean, it's just,
3: it's immature. He also said today he's the number one running back in the NFL with the ball in his hands.
2: (laughs) Urban Meyer loved him. Urban Meyer absolutely gushed over. He's already worn out his welcome, maybe twice, maybe maybe, maybe two stops. Um, I mean, others have done it in a quicker fashion. I mean, Johnny Manziel comes to mind, right? Um, was it Isaiah Wilson, the first round pick
3: by Tennessee, who's gone to a couple of teams? And how about Josh Rosen? You know, he really didn't do anything outside like, of the fact that
2: he sucked. Yeah,
3: I'm saying like off the he wasn't like a turd. He just wasn't good enough, and, he, man, he must have been on, like, four teams in two seasons.
2: The 0037 says uh, Joe is full of BS.
3: <laughs> that doesn't work. About his thinking about eating Dude, food? Dude,
2: I've been around the block a few <laughs> times. I have never heard anyone say that before. It was like, and he was so serious. He's like, yeah, man, I can just envision what it tastes like, and I don't need to eat it. And I'm like, that, that is like the greatest example of willpower. Um, I'll tell you what, I've, I've dropped a few, and i tell you what I've done. I've, I'm finally doing it. I've heard about it forever.
3: Just eating slow. It really does work. Mm. Do you get full faster, or you, you're just like, you don't eat as much? I'm one of
2: those deals where if you brought like a foot long in here, like a Subway, bro, I could eat that thing during a break. I mean, I eat <laughs> so what are you, in prison? <laughs> no, I mean, I just eat. I eat so fast. And, you know, I love food, but I, you know, I don't sit around and, and, and have massive conversations. I just like to get after it. I like to attack it. You know, I, I don't like to look at it, and I don't like to take pictures of it and, and uh, ask others how their meal is. No, I, I like to get, I feel like I'm a great white shark. I'm going to go right after it, and I'm just going to pillage it and rip it apart and just maybe not even chew all that much, just swallow, and that's it. Next thing I know, food is in my belly, but I've really tried to do that recently. Take a bite, put the sandwich down, look around, maybe smile, maybe make a comment. Boy, that's a lovely dress you have on today. That is out. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't say that. That's sexual harassment. I the dress looks awful on you. It's a tablecloth. How do, no, I don't know. But I, you try to have a, you know, just do whatever. And pick up the sandwich again, take another bite. I noticed that when I'm done and I would go for something else, in a process of like 7 to 10 minutes, I feel full. And I've never been able to experience that before. So this is all new for me. Again, it's not nearly as cool as Joe's story. And uh, <laughs> it seems to work. Joe's like Joe's like Joe's
3: like Pavlov. I mean, is it like a Pavlov experience? You know, it's like uh, every time I hear a ringing bell, I don't eat. I think about not eating.
2: I was talking. I was talking with a farm owner the other day about how they used to have like the you know the fences that would electrocute the the cows if they went, and now it's like they don't even have to. They didn't have to like. I don't know how it works. They didn't have to get another electrical fence or renew the electricity or whatever the hell it was to keep it going. They're like those cows now. They're like Pavlov. They understand. Just don't even go near the fence. You know you're going to get zapped, right. even if the
3: zapping's not working. So, like, every time Joe took a bite, maybe right. he got slapped on the hand or something. That's
2: what Joe has done. This is like a new study. He needs to write a book on it. Just look at it, man, and envision it. He, he he sounds like Dennis Hopper from Apocalypse Now. You know, he's a great man. He's a he's he's a disturbed man. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, not a candy man. I don't know what he said. Dennis Hopper was great in that film,
3: though. So Joe's just sitting there not thinking or thinking about food, and meanwhile the rest of you guys are sticking yourself with uh, what's it called? Oh, it, whatever we get our hands on. Uh, well, no, what's the that's what's the pig rush Oh, okay. This is the real diet. Mm-hmm. Joe's got it, absolutely, and it's
2: free. Diet by Joe. Just envision. It, it, chapter o- Ozempic. You have to do it for the rest of your life. Here's Joe's. Don't you? Here's Joe's. Here's Joe's book. Okay, it's four chapters. Chapter one, envision. Chapter two, envision at night. Chapter three, fast and then envision, and then the closing chapter is. Envision. There you go, Joe Coward. Genius. He is a genius, man. And he's lost
3: weight because of it. He looks great.
2: We like driving from here to Charlotte. You know, Graham and I are like. Man, can we pull over? Can we get something? To eat? Nah, man, I'm good. I know you're good, man, but we're starving here. He's like, no, I'm thinking. I'm right
3: now. I'm thinking about eating. I'm good.
2: Here's a guy who says when I gorge, I want to go to sleep. That's what keeps me from overeating. There's no doubt about it. Whenever I eat, I feel like I need a nap. <laughs>
3: Which is the most unhealthiest thing? Oh, you can do. Oh, it's the worst do. thing
2: you can do. But I mean, is there? There have been times when you're just like laying around late at night, early in the morning, and you're like you can't sleep, so you get up and you just fill your belly. You go back to bed. You m- automatically will pass out. All right, let's um, let's get away from this. Coming up here on the top of the hour, I I, I do want to get to uh to Doctor Herbie here because I, I speaking I wanna, of health, I want to make a point. Yeah, I want to make a point here, and. I haven't been able to as of late. Something else I wanted to bring up is outside of Will Chamberlain, who I interviewed years ago back when I was on the ball, who came out and said that he slept with 20,000 different women, okay? To me, that is probably the greatest lie that I'm aware of, historically speaking, in sports. That's until I grabbed today's Golf Digest. Did you see what Phil Mickelson said? I didn't. Phil Mickelson claims he has 47 holes in one. Okay? 47! Phil Mickelson. 47. So I may spend a moment on that as well. In hour number two, it's coming up. You're going to help him.
1: I mean, what are they going to say, man, when he's gone, huh? Because he dies when it dies, man. When it dies, he dies. What are they going to say about him? What are they going to say? He was a kind man. He was a wise man. He had plans. He had wisdom. Oh,
2: Dennis Hopper, man. What a movie. Greatest war movie of all time. Robert Duvall playing Bill Kilgore, right? Marlon Brando. Walter Kurtz and Martin Sheen has to go down the river uh, to kill him, to assassinate him. And just so many other character actors. The very young Lawrence Fishburne. um, Dennis Hopper, who's a photojournalist, who's totally under Kurtz's spell and drugs. Harrison Ford is in the opening scene. People may forget that. Uh, Lee Emery. Who used to come here every year and uh, be a judge until he passed for uh, uh, Guns and Hoses. Just just phenomenal.
3: I didn't know Harrison Ford was in it.
2: Very first scene. Oh,
3: yeah. I'm looking at it right now. He's got glasses on. You know, that scene's
2: totally, totally... um, Ad-libbed? No, it's totally real. And they were concerned that Martin Sheen was going to lose too much blood. Because he's drinking the whiskey and he punches, you know, the glass window, the mirror, and he really cut himself bad. And all that blood that you see all over the place on the sheets and everything. Yeah, if you go and you read it, you'll see that that is actually, it it really happened. And um, that's one thing I love about so many of these actors when they get so deep into character. To me, it's just... uh, it's uh, it's 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 really fascinating.
3: Method acting.
2: Oh, and people will take it with them. You know, like we just lost the Iron Sheik, and I know that wasn't acting, or I guess maybe it was in the world of wrestling. But Iron Sheik took his character, took his alias with him one hundred percent of the time, where you almost wondered. Is that really who he like? Is? Has he
3: lost his mind? Right? Does he think that is him? Yeah, it was like a, a daily thing for him. You people would see him at like the airport acting like that by himself for no reason. Um, uh, I, so I was just all right. Best movie intro song of all time. Uh, a lot of people are saying that about uh, Apocalypse Now with the end. Probably best. Like soundtrack. Oh yeah. In general.
2: Well, that scene with the end, Jim Morrison, in the end is mm-hmm. is um is absolutely fantastic, and there's a lot of great music in that. Um, but I I, I don't know. It's, you know the roles that, that you play. I, we all have you know we all have buddies that you, you know how they act like a certain way, and you're like, is that really how they act? Especially when you try to like be overcool. You you know what I'm talking about? The guy kind that of like you know just their 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 lingo, their language, their their way about them, the way they shake your hand, all this stuff. Their and you,
3: cadence yeah, and how they talk. Even you're like, Dude, like, this is a fake thing. Like, like just be yourself. It's yeah. more. It's got to be uh, like to do an act your entire life. You have to be you know so tired of that. Daniel Day Lewis, by the way, greatest method actor ever. So he he was in a movie called The Cobbler, I believe. Where he was like, neither have I, but I've seen like every other one of his movies. He's like a shoemaker guy. He went to Italy and was an apprentice for a real shoemaker for like a year. Like just to for the act, for the movie. Like just so he sort of knew what he was talking about, I guess. Sort of unnecessary if you ask me, but yeah, that's his thing.
2: I can't remember what mob book I read. It might have been five families. I, I, I wish I could remember it, but it kind of took you through the entire history of the mob and way back in New York. And you know, he was a part of Gangs in New York, and his character in that movie is is absolutely insane. And um but some of the stuff in Gangs in New York, they, they went back to the early days of of, you know, when the the five boroughs were we're we're coming into, uh, uh, in, in, into fruition, if you will, and, and, and you began to get to the illegal underground type of stuff. But I'm, I'm trying to remember. I thought he played a mob guy in that movie, or maybe not. It, it wasn't considered mob then, but it was certainly, you know, a major danger to the surrounding area. They, you know, they would kill for sport back then. And I'll never forget in this book, it was one about the, w- the girl who fought, who, would, who her signature move would be she cut off someone else's ear. Uh, the two women who were fighting against one another. Yeah, she, they're
3: in the movie, or one of them. She cut in the off movie. the ear
2: and made it into a necklace, and she'd wear it around. And
3: Yeah, she's that character's in Gangs of New York.
2: I got to go back and watch that movie. It's been a while since
3: I've it's seen that. Not, it's not the greatest, honestly. It's not a terrible movie, but it doesn't hold up like some of his other ones. Dude, go watch... Um, there Will Be Blood. Have you ever seen that where he plays like a, an oil rig, uh, like an oil man from their 20s or 30s or whatever? Mm-mm. Phenomenal movie. So good, man. Like, he should have won every Oscar for that. There Will Be Blood. How long ago? Um, 2010, maybe. 2007, I'm looking at it right here.
2: Okay. I want to spend a minute on this only because... Um, I feel it's necessary, and I'm talking about Dr. Herbie. He tweeted this out over the weekend, and I'll, I'll read it. Uh, I'll read his tweet. It says, no matter how hard this lunatic fringe portion of Florida State fan, uh, you know, Florida State fan base tries, I, I refuse to hold this against the Knowles and their real fans. Been a fan of the Knowles team since the early days of Valley Valley in the early 80s and will continue to respect the brand and tradition for as long as I'm covering college football. See you all in Ireland. And he goes back and forth with some fans, this and that. Okay. I got two points on this. Number one, I know it's really hard to do. It's almost impossible to do. But I'm going to ask you anyway. Instead of this being a Florida State thing, make it your school. OK, make it your school. I don't care what your school is. you be in the SEC, ACC, or any other school in, in big-time college football. OK, under, under the parameters of playing in a Power Five. Right. And it happened to you. You lost your quarterback. You won in Gainesville, and you won against Louisville with awful off but incredible defense, and you did what you had to do to go 13-0. and Kirk Herbstreit made his opinion. Most of you agree with his opinion. I, believe it or not, was not nearly as irate as others because my way of thinking is different. And my way of thinking was this. They're not going to win in the Final Four without Jordan Travis, okay? It still doesn't take away from the fact that I believed Florida State earned the right to go there. That now is irrelevant. The games were played. We saw what happened. Michigan won a national title. The totally uninformed and the lowest common denominator of a college football fan will answer this by saying 63-3, to which I get it. There's spice on that. There's hatred on that. That's your rival. But it's it's not the right take because of the opt-outs. But here's what I'm trying to get at. He's Kirk Herbstreit. His words are powerful. You made your commitment to this decision, whether it was forced upon you by ESPN, Disney, or it was your own thought. Own it. Own it. It's over. Okay? I mean, if you want to bring up 63-3, you can. If you want to bring up the fact that the two games that we saw in the semifinals were good enough and the national title game was good, why, why try to backtrack? How dare you call pissed-off Florida State fans lunatic fringe? What do you think would have happened to Ohio State if they went 13-0 and, and wasn't left in? Bama cried as massively as Florida State did a year ago, and they had two losses. What do you think Florida would do? Well, look at all the the Georgia complaints were lessened because, I will admit, my alma mater really went nuts on this. I, I wish they had one-tenth of that fight in them back in 1996 during the rematch. Now, I get it. We didn't have social media then. There wasn't as much of an opportunity to be heard in 1996 there, as there is now in 2023 and 2024. But still, you did it, and Joe Tessitore did it, and Paul Feinbaum uh, did it, and, and Reese Davis did it. They stuck to it. Davis, Reese Davis isn't responding to everyone. Joe Tessitore isn't responding to everyone. Paul Feinbaum is not responding. You went with your decision. Most agree with you. The Florida State fan base does not agree with you. They're on you. It's why you make all this money. Okay, you're powerful with your words. Don't call the fan base a lunatic fringe fan base and then turn around and say that real Florida State fans are forgiving and real Florida State fans are respectful enough that they're just going to move along. It's you, You're digging a deeper ditch. That's my thought on this with Kirk Herbson. you're You're making it worse by ignoring it. I mean, how many, I don't follow him. What does Kirk Herbstreet have, a a million followers, two million followers? I mean, you don't have to respond to everyone who reaches out to you. Obviously, you're bothered by this. And you did it. This is a self-inflicted situation. Unless you want to come out and blame your bosses. Unless we saw you dance up and down like a schoolgirl. With Chris Fowler, when Alabama beat Auburn, we saw it. Not, not only do we not see it, ESPN made such a big deal about it, they, they kept playing it. And I, I just wish people would stick to something that is of this importance. Stay with it. I, I, I think worse of you for backtracking. I think worse of you now for kind of sneaking in, asking for forgiveness. I think worse of you now for telling us that, that Bobby Bowden, um, you love Bobby Bowden when he when he got things started in the early 80s, when everyone knows Bowden got things started in 1976, okay? And maybe I'm dating Dr. Herbie here, but Bowden shouldn't be in this conversation. Old school Florida State shouldn't be in this conversation. This was a Precedent-setting deal. 13-0, their QB got hurt, and you went up and above to make the point that they do not deserve to beat, and you were right. The selection committee said, you know what, Kirk, you're right. So why buckle down now? Who cares if the Florida State fans don't like you? There's been a ton of Florida State fans over the years who don't like me. You think I've ever changed one thing that I've ever had to say about Florida State or I ever will say about Florida State? If they play well and coach well, I'll say it. If they don't play well or coach well, I'll say it. And, and, and I'm one 100th of Kirk Cur- Street. He's got another 50 massive fan bases out there uh, that respect him and are going to take what he says with a great deal of import, Why are you so bothered by the Florida State fans? Why would you say it's a... I, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter. Florida State fans of every type of, uh, of, of what have you. Every dimension was pissed off about this. 85-year-old grandmothers and, and 12-year-old kids. It's not a lunatic friend side. I mean, how many Florida State fans are just like, "Oh, but you know what? Hey, man, you know, thirteen and all great year. Oh, we're not going. No big deal. What's for? I mean, are you insane? Of course, they're pissed off. What fan base wouldn't be? I mean, what would your fans be like if they weren't? Of course, they're upset. Don't devalue them and say they're lunatic fringe and they're bad fans. They're great fans who are upset with you. Own it. Be a man. Own it. It's as simple as that. Stick to it. 20 years ago, I I said 20 years ago, I thought Leonard Hamilton should be fired. Many of you out there think I'm dead wrong. Okay, I'm never going to run away from that. Never. I own it. I would have fired him when I was working in Chicago. I think he is the worst X's and O's. Basketball. Uh, By the way, I guess they won tonight. 63-62 in BC. Nice win for the Nulls. They're in Chestnut Hill. Doesn't matter. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's a hell of a guy. I think he's a bad coach. I would have fired a t- I own it. I own it. If I took a survey, my guess is that 75, 80% of you would tell me I'm wrong. I'm owning it. Kirk Street has really showed a lot of yellow here by trying to sneak back. In. He knows he's going to be with Fowler in Ireland for that opening game. He wants the fans there to be on his side. He wants the fans there uh, to embrace him. Heck, I remember coming back in from Chicago and doing a show somewhere in Tallahassee with, when those guys sat in with me at like 11.30 one night on a, on a Friday night. This was back in their younger days when they were running and ripping. This, this was Chicago. This was probably 2001 maybe when I came back, 2002. Unbelievable. So... Stick with your stick with your thought. Most people agree with you, right? Why why do that now? It's basically it's basically over. All right, we got much more to do. We're gonna to run tonight and uh, until ten o'clock.
1: Then Hacker Nation will join you. Let's go into the night with Rick Balu on Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM. Uh, the Jaguars did sign Riley Patterson to a futures deal.
2: ESPN's Mike DeRocco with the report. Uh, remember, uh, a year ago, the 36-yarder could knock off the Los Angeles Chargers. Down 27-0. The furious comeback by Jacksonville. Riley Patterson uh, with the game winner. Brandon McManus is a free agent. So we'll see what happens there. For those of you who do not know excuse me, what a futures deal means, there are ways that you can play with the salary cap, particularly in the offseason. You you can stash 90 men on your roster, but it's only the top 53 that count against the cap. So when you sign a guy like Riley Patterson, what that means is that whatever he's getting paid, it doesn't count against the current salary cap. Right now, Jacksonville – with free agency in the legal tampering period about five weeks away, uh, they sit at eleven million three hundred fourteen thousand dollars under the cap. All right. Dead money, very affordable. Uh, the total right now is under a million. Okay, Jordan Smith, one hundred eighty four large. Snoop uh, Snoop Connor, one sixty three. Connor signed on the practice squad in Dallas. Uh, Jermichael Hasty, Hasty, one hundred and fifty, and Eric Hallett, $115,000. So obviously, there's some major, major decisions that this team is going to have to make. Cam Robinson, Brandon Sheriff, Foyer Oluokan, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Big Foley, and, and, and that, uh, Rayshon Jenkins, uh, those are guys right there, uh, Darius Williams, that... You're either going to leave as is, and really the only one out of the group that I just mentioned that I could see leaving as is would be Darius Williams. Everyone else is either going to be cut or restructured. And, and you know, in order as far as restructuring, I, I, I have Christian Kirk 1 and Foye Olukon 2. And then you got to ask yourself, is Cam coming back? The tea leaves right now kind of feel like he is, Right. Are you getting that sense a little bit, uh, J.J., from listening Uh, to our station and listening to the people?
3: If you just hear people's opinions, yeah, but not after what I heard Balky say at the press. I I, I don't know. I would lean towards no. But everyone here, yeah, their opinion is like, yeah, of course they need him back. But Balky didn't sound so reassuring. In my opinion, I go Kirk
2: one, low account two. Restructure candidates. In my opinion, you cut Zay Jones, you cut Sean Jenkins, so that leaves, and you cut Brandon Sheriff. So then that leaves. I could I could keep Darius Williams as is, as is, pay him the eleven five. You know, some are going to say, nah, final year of his deal, cut him. It's only a five hundred thousand dollar dead cap hit. Bring back eleven million, use it elsewhere. Yeah, you know, I noticed today more mock drafts, more corners. Corners are dominating the Jaguars mock uh, right now. You you know how I feel. Uh, with the offensive line JJ's in the same uh, in the same boat here. The big one for me is going to be what are they going to do with camp? So, we'll see. We got plenty of more time, but uh Raleigh Patterson uh, added today. All right. I love this. I know it's a baseball nugget, but I love the fact that Clayton Kershaw is coming back. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys left that when they're on the bump, I, I have to watch him pitch. And, you know, unfortunately for Kershaw, I was joking with a Los Angeles Dodgers fan today. I was like, don't even let him anywhere near spring training. Right. Well, I think
3: he's going to miss the whole first half of the year.
2: Yeah, he's, he's got to battle with some injuries and, and, and some things but, um, because it affected him again last year. But, but my whole thought is don't even let this guy pick up a baseball until like June and try to get him ready you know, for the stretch run. You know the Dodgers are going to be a major player in this, and can he hold up through October? I was looking at it earlier. He has not made 30 or more starts since the year 2015. Wow, but he is one of the greatest pitchers of the modern day era, and you know I respect the fact that the numbers have changed. Used to be a day where you'd look at wins and you would look at losses, and you would look at the earned run average. That that's that that's not the case anymore. I mean, WHIP uh, is is uh, is such a big part of this. I mean, when you're in when you're in a game, I like looking. At first, pi- first pitch strikes. I, I, you know, the numbers on first pitch strikes are just so supportive. If you're at the dish as a hitter and you're zero and one, your average falls so much. I, I, I don't have anything in front of me, but I've, just, I've read this for years. Whereas if you're a pitcher and you start zero and one, you start with a strike. You have a much better chance of getting guys up. But he's got kind of a lifetime whip of one. Uh, the guy is is heading towards historic numbers. He's uh, 56 strikeouts away from 3,000, right? I, I think there's only two pitchers lifetime who are or who have been eligible for the Hall of Fame who have 3,000 or more strikeouts and are not in are Roger Clemens and Curt Schilling. I believe every other pitcher Correct. in the history of the game who is eligible which, which i
3: think cc CeCe is CeCe's eligible getting, next yeah. year so yep. he would be added to that
2: but how about 210 in 92 dude he's got a lifetime win percentage of 695 i mean you you can compare that
3: in an era where people don't care about winning well, so like pitchers or coaches will take you out pretty early nowadays he's
2: only won 20 games he's won 20 games twice he won 21 in, in 2011 and he won 21 in 2014 but he's got a lifetime winning percentage of two ten and ninety two. I mean, you can compare that, and 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 with apologies to, you know, Christy Mathewson and Cy Young and Lefty Grove and and guys like that. I you know I I kind of I I kind of like to in my own mind, you know, start late 60s, into the 70s, you know, maybe start with a Bob Gibson, Nolan Ryan, Jim Palmer, Tom Seaver, Vita Blue, uh, Ferguson Jenkins. That, that, that's the way I kind of look at it. Because before that with the mound, and, you know, they lowered the mound because of Bob Gibson, but it was different. When you had the higher mound, guys dealt a little bit. And it's funny because in way back then in baseball, the you know, the porches – Especially the alleys, man, and left center and right. <laughs> I mean, those things went for, like, miles. You know, and that, that's why there were less home runs, and that's why I have that much more respect for the, the great home run sluggers. And we see it now. I mean, when you build new stadiums in Major League Baseball, what do they, for the most part, have in common? Short they, porch. They've brought in the fences. Why? Homers. You, the consumer. You don't want a 2-1 baseball game. You, you want a 10-8 game. You want to see home runs. I told you this story a couple of years ago. Uh, this is actually a long time. I know I get taken the break here. Um my brother has two daughters, I have two daughters. We we took our daughters to a Tampa Bay Boston game. It took like 90 minutes to play it. It was a one nothing final <laughs> by Tampa and the game winning run was on a sacrifice fly and <laughs> I love and, that. And, and you, you know, and, and, and you're looking at four young girls and you know, like, they, good
3: game. They, they want to see home matchup. runs
2: and all this stuff. So yeah, I mean, fans want to see
3: that. Ch- chicks dig the long ball, as they say. Oh, yeah. I also think it's important that Kershaw ends his career as a Dodger. To I me, sure. I, I love that kind of stuff. We also saw tonight Jose Altuve. Love him or yep. hate him, you know, a known cheater, but I love him. I me too. I tend to like the guy. Um, he signed a five-year extension, so it looks like. You know he's 33 years old. He's going to finish his career as an Astro. I love that Chipper Jones type stuff. All right, to me, it. it still means something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think Chipper, uh, Joe Mauer, uh Buster, but Buster only played like 12 years. Who is the latest long tenured player? You know, we had those great Yankees with Posada and Rivera and Jeter, but they're just there hasn't New been and a long between man. Yeah. You you just don't see it. That's why I kind of hope Mike Trout stays. Right. You know don't don't see enough of that anymore, in uh, in really any sport, but uh, especially baseball.
1: Into the night with Rick Balu on Ten Ten XL ninety two point five
2: FM. I remember a couple of years ago when we were here. And um, when Denny and James were here, and Carson Beck came in, and uh, uh, the Sims kid came in, too. Uh, Georgia Tech, then he went
3: over to... uh, Jefferson. Nebraska.
2: Yeah. Uh, Both came in. you see the story on Carson Beck today?
3: I did. He uh, has a new purchase. A $300,000 Lamborghini. What an... Incredible story, <laughs> and and dressed in sweats, by the way, to go buy it. Mm-hmm. Looks like a homeless guy throwing down three hundred k.
2: I just wonder what that's going to be like. I, you know, I remember when Dion had the souped up car, and Dion was making sixty grand from the New York Yankees. He was like one of the first to, um, you know, be able to play minor league baseball. And then still come back and play uh, football and how that was perceived. And, you know, we've seen so much of it ever since. And with the NIO and everything that's going on, you know, a lot of these players are making big-time money, especially quarterbacks are making big-time money. Uh, but, but this is just uh, – this is fascinating to me. I mean, this is the ultimate – Big man on campus I mean this is unlike because there's always been stories of cars and a booster provided money for a car or or things like that happened, or you know how did it get financed i mean this I've heard a thousand of those stories, and just about every college football fan out there has heard about it as well. but this is under the current system this this is legit i mean this is hundred percent legit. Being a 21-year-old on the campus of the, uh, of, uh, of the University of Georgia in a $300,000 Lamborghini is, is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. And
3: you're already the star quarterback.
2: Uh, Ken Fritz passed away today. You may not remember who, in fact, he is. He is the guy that was involved with Woody Hayes right here on that final play. He tried to restrain Woody Hayes. Uh, at Ohio State when Hayes threw the punch at the Clemson player after the interception. It, it was the end of the road for Woody Hayes and it happened right here at the Old Gator Bowl. Uh, Woody Hayes a phenomenal career but he literally blew a gasket and and in
3: Charlie Bowman.
2: Yeah, Charlie Bowman t- to me
3: went to high school with my dad
2: actually. Did he really? Yeah. When you look at some of the most historic plays in the history of college football, I mean, the Stanford Band, this play, the Doug Flutie touchdown pass has to be on there. That's the one Hail Mary. I mean, there's been better Hail Marys, but that one seems to be, you know, the one that receives all the, uh, the accolades. Um, you know, I guess around here in our state would be uh, Run Lindsey Run would probably be number one. What about the kick six? Yeah, kick six against BC. Yeah, no, that's the
3: uh, Auburn, Alabama.
1: Oh you know, yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking
2: about your your t- uh, Miami's touchdown run at BC. Um, okay, yeah, no, no doubt, absolutely kick six, and that led Auburn to, you know, playing the Florida, playing its Florida set in that national title. My game.
3: personal favorite's not like crazy memorable if you're probably not like from the South, but. Early 2000s, Kentucky LSU, man, like Kentucky thought they won the game. The fans are literally on the field, running on the field as LSU wins on a Hail Mary throw. Insane!
2: It was a hail mary throw where he caught it at like the third. Yeah, it, it, he had exactly. to run it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Ultimate an end zone hail mary. Yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't a flutie to Gerard Phelan. Like
3: Kentucky's coach? No, not at all. Like Kentucky's coach was like mm-hmm. walking out to celebrate. The fans are all around him. They, the fans are on the field, not knowing what happened. It was chaos. Yeah, you had PK Sam here, Chris Ricks, the PK Sam in Gainesville.
2: Yeah, that was a last second hail mary. Boy, that Flutie one. And it was probably because you know it was It was like his defining Heisman Trophy moment um, that came in. But anyway, yeah, he passed today. Ken Fritz, a, a guy that will probably only be remembered um, for that. There would with, with Woody Hayes. I mean, that. Can you imagine if that happened today? I mean, that, oh my god! <laughs> that, I mean, that a, a, an example of. Um, <laughs> You know how the media was then, and and you know we're talking about this new app, and we'll we'll get into that on another night when we have more time. It, it, this story's not going away. If you haven't heard, it's a, a enormous story where Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers. So it's basically ESPN, ABC, Fox, and TNT, and the, the whole Turner family um, are going to come together with a standalone app uh, that they're going to charge one price, and and everything's going to be there. I mean, they're actually. They're, they're collaborating, okay? You know, you know, like when you come up with, like, a blind faith or when you come up with, like, the damn Yankees, right? When you come up with, when you come up with Asia, you take people from, yes, you take super people group. from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and you form, uh, he, he's not a wise man. What are they going to say? That he's a kind man? No, not, they, when you form a super group like that, that's what they're going to do here. It's going to be the super app. Every game that you could possibly want is going to be there for one set price. It's going to be absolutely incredible. But if, if if you had that, and Woody Hayes did today what he did here at the Gator Bowl by striking that Clemson player after an intercept, can you imagine what
3: would have happened? Can you imagine if Bob Knight fired a chair? Choked a player at practice or whatever. Imagine... I mean we're th- I'm saying this, but I already know it would be treated with kid gloves because I already know how the media is. They're much more harder on coaches than players, but like Latrell Sprewell <laughs> with PJ
2: Carlissimo. Yeah.
3: Now, I'll never forget the Ron Artest
2: story because oh I know that happened on a God. Friday night.
3: I was watching it.
2: I was thirty minutes into a four hour show. It was college foot it must have been a very early game. In, like, October or November, because I'm, I'm telling you, I if I remember correctly, I had everything lined up for college and pro football. Yes, the whole nine. And the entire show changed when he went into the stands. Dude, I,
3: nowadays they'd be leading first take with why Ron Artest is a hero for that. Yeah. And why, like, fans should never even be allowed at games anymore. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, Hackers coming up at 10 o'clock. We'll put our final thoughts on this one. Remember, rest of the week, including live reports from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, each show, 6 to
1: 8. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, tomorrow night's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm already
2: looking forward to it, uh beginning at six o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, more on the draft. Uh, another guest who was at the senior bowl and, you know, for the most part, uh, we've we've kind of moved on from that. But uh to get another opinion on some of the positions and and, and guys that I think are uh are there for Jackson with seventeen is is always pretty interesting, and, uh, you know, we move a day closer. We're under 80 now. I think we're at 78 days until the NFL draft. I mean, it's it's nuts. You blink a couple of times, and it'll be here. Later in the month, you have the combine, and then you're going to start to have pro days, and before you know it, it's, it's going to be here. So we'll have that tomorrow night. Also, our first trip out to Vegas. We're going to do that uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But take a look at... Um, you know, some of the big storylines out there. There's really not much at this point as far as the game. You know, it's one, one and a half, two. It's 47 and a half. And we'll go through those numbers again. But I, I think for the most part, if you're a gambler, you're probably set with who you are going to pick. I, I, I don't know if that's going to change dramatically. If you hit it, there's going to be weather in Las Vegas and there was weather in Vegas yesterday or, you know, injuries. Told you about Joe Tune a little bit earlier. Maybe that'll have a little bit uh, of an effect on it. But, you know, the other part of this is the, the the prop bets are. They're almost annoying. and And what I mean by that is that. I think you look at one and, like, your eyes take you to another. And then your eyes take you to another. And you start looking at everything. And it's, like, kind There's of like too that. too many. It's kind of like that scene from, like, um, um Goodwill Hunting or whatever. Like, with the math problem. Right. Where everything's, like, kind of spinning around. It's, like, it, it looks so easy, but it's not. And I'm convinced that that's why they do it, to really mess with you. But but we'll we'll get into it. It's, it's the one time of year where you can have a little bit of fun. And you know I've always been this way as a guy who has not bet in more than a decade. Instead of playing 50 props, just find one. Instead of spending 10 bucks on 50 props, and then counting your money at the end, find one and take all of your cash and put it on what. But what is there's got there's got to be some in there percentage wise. That are so much easier than the others. There's no way I can believe that it's the same for everything. It takes an incredible amount of work and study to try to figure that out. And obviously you can do it just football. You can do all this Taylor Swift stuff. You can compare final round at the Phoenix Open on a Sunday compared to uh, total points um, or total yards uh, by maybe um, Debo Samuel you know receiving yards compared to the final round of the leader uh at the uh at the Phoenix Open it's incredible it really is but it's also nerve-wracking in my opinion
1: now the 2 minute drill brought to you by tire outlet tire outlet is now hiring visit tireoutlet.com/careers equal opportunity employer um, I'm, a non, I'm a former gambler. You've
2: never
0: been a gambler,
2: as far as I know. Uh,
0: fantasy football, I guess, okay. if you consider that. Do you,
2: um, you you really look at these props, or they you find them annoying like I do?
0: No, I mean, I look at them. I've done square games in the past. I certainly have never really gotten into it to the extent that my buddies do, certainly. But the one thing I've never understood, like I'm sure how many times will Tony Romo mention Taylor Swift he, yeah. right, on Sunday night? If you're Romo's best friend... And, the, like, the over unders four and a half. Don't you bet your life savings on it and just tell them, hey, man, mention her five times? I mean, I, how do you, like, avoid? Because they don't let you bet that yeah. much. Yeah, I think okay, that's okay. – Yeah, All you right.
2: you can't put a million bucks on it. I, <laughs> I, I, I think some of them are, like, you know – Five 000, yeah. or Tony maybe Roma's the miles thousand. Tony Romo's childhood friend makes yeah. twenty million dollars. Oh, it seems a... so easy, like the national anthem. Yeah. You know, can you carry out those last couple of notes? Right, just stretch over it two an minutes? extra four or five seconds. Yeah. That's why it's it's more for fun, and and depending
0: on where you shop, there is a limit. Okay. On my, and
2: it's a very small limit.
0: Well, that explains it then. Yeah. Because I've always wondered, it's like that just seems so easy to rig or whatever, you know? Yeah. I
2: mean, Tony Romo makes eighteen million dollars a year, but he's going to give it up to his his mailman who's going to (laughs) make he's going to make five hundred dollars and he gives up the fact that he's going to say Taylor Swift five times. And then they
0: do a thorough investigation Uh, on him and he ends up losing his gig. That would be classic. Classic. I don't know if you saw this today, too. I got such a kick out of this for what you and I have done for so long. Did you see the Boomer Esiason geo thing for F.A.N. in New York? Yes. Yes. Oh, this was great for people that missed it. Their producer thought they had booked Randy Moss to Mm -hmm. come on the show they're you know, like, what's Randy Moss promoting? Oh, he's promoting horse racing. Are you talking about the receiver Randy Moss or the sports broadcaster Randy the, Moss? The bald-headed white guy. Yeah, the yeah. producer had no idea there were two Randy Mosses, and he booked the wrong guy, and they figured this out live on the air this morning. It's happened a few times. Oh, I died when I watched that. It was so funny.
2: I can't remember the former owner of the Chiefs. I think it was Clark Hunt, I believe. And uh, my producer did that to me in Chicago, and I'm having a son on.
0: Okay. And yeah. right to
2: my face, he's like, sorry, this isn't Clark Hunt, it's just son, I don't know if his son is Joe Hunt or whatever, but it, it it happened to me and there has been a few of those before where it's it's really screwed up some people
0: by getting on the wrong guy. Well, I'll never Same for- name. I'll never forget this. When I was at the Super Bowl in Miami, this is when I was really young in the business and I probably should not have been doing solo interviews. I was probably twenty two, twenty three. I, forget, I actually forgot who the player was, but I remember they told me it was somebody, and it wasn't that person. Mm-hmm. It was another player. And thankfully, I didn't say the name uh, in the first couple. And then they find, they like realized they had told me the wrong name. They slid me the paper like two questions in. But that could have been really, oh, yeah. really bad. How about oh, yeah.
3: doing an entire interview with a high school football coach and <laughs> calling him by the wrong
0: name? Oh, Joe. Oh, uh, Joe. That and unf- unfortunately, that never made the air. We did the high school media day where Joe is interviewing this guy. And to to defend Joe Coward, they didn't tell him. The guy didn't tell him Which that he was calling him by the wrong name. Which if someone says the wrong name, you should immediately say, hey, I'm not that guy. It was a six-minute interview. So he goes, all right, thank you, Coach X. and the, we And we, we were recording it. It wasn't live. And... The coach goes, by the way, uh, um, my name is this. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Joe, Joe's face turns bright red. If you're getting called the wrong name for six minutes, I'm sorry. That's on you. You got to tell the guy, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm not this guy. So I kind of defend Joe on that one a little bit. Uh,
2: the 43-47 tried me to mention uh, Hunt's first name. He obviously thought that I never saw the movie Porkies. I'm not going <laughs> to fall uh, for that. Um, that. Baselli, were you there when Baselli, Baselli, when I did the 12 minute interview with Brooklyn Decker and never on purposely? I said, watch this. I never put the tape recorder. Never on. Never hit the record button. Yeah, yeah just, just to, I don't know. I was kind of nuts back then, kind of an idiot. I, 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 but it was, yeah. It, it got a lot of travel in those years, and you, you know, it's, I'm not proud of it, but I tell you what, the worst thing was working in Chicago when the games and then they put people on, and this must have been like Monday Night Football. And I think it was like Brendan, I am Badejo. Uh, yeah. And all of a sudden it's up on my screen and I'm like, I don't have <laughs> any idea on earth how to say I am Badejo. <laughs> and I don't know what I called them.
0: Yeah. And oh, yeah. That, that was In weird. those situations, I just say it as fast as I can. Mm. Brendan, and I am Badejo are here with us on 1010XL yeah. and just go from there. All right. Well, it's a great week. And uh, all right. What else? Yeah, obviously a lot of Super Bowl talk. We're going to start our preview again this week. Uh, San Francisco, Jose Sanchez, all49ers.com. And, you know, tomorrow, Rick, people don't realize this, and quite frankly, I didn't either until late last week, tomorrow is the original National Signing Day, right? 95% of the stuff is done in December now, but there are young men and women signing on the dotted Mm. line tomorrow, and we're going to talk to a couple of them. A young man from uh, Bartram Trail High School, Leighton Biddle, 2,200 yards rushing, 26 touchdowns this year with the state of Florida. He's on his way to Utah, and Nico Smith from Yulee is on his way as a preferred walk-on to Miami, so we're going to talk to both of those young men tonight on Hacker After Dark.
2: All right, sounds good. Have a great show. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Um, yeah, speaking of which, I, the Knowles got Amari Williams over the weekend. He's a four-star and got to put on some weight, no doubt. He's listed at 215 out of North Palm Beach, but yeah, I I, I do miss uh, the the way recruiting was in in very early February. Of course, most out there, big fan of uh, of doing it now. On I think it's December twenty second. That's gonna be it for us right here on this Tuesday night. Tomorrow night and the rest of the week. Back to our regularly scheduled time. That's six until eight. I don't check the text line now. If the show is over, you can get me on Twitter or X. Balu ten ten. XL for JJ I'm Rick Blue we'll talk tomorrow at 6